Welcome to the Rule of Law Matters podcast. If you're wondering what the rule of law means and why it matters, this is the podcast for you. This is Season 1, Episode 3, Lawyer Independence. We'll be talking about what that means and why it's necessary in a free and democratic society. This podcast is brought to you by the Law Society of British Columbia. The Law Society is a regulatory body that protects the public by enforcing professional standards for lawyers in our province. We bring you this discussion today to raise awareness about the importance of upholding the rule of law. Here's your host. I'm your host, John Festinger. I'm a member of the Law Society's Rule of Law and Lawyer Independence Advisory Committee and have been for quite a few years. I'm also a lawyer and I teach at UBC's Allard School of Law and the TRU Faculty of Law. I'm pleased to again welcome President Craig Ferris of the Law Society back for this episode. Craig joined us for our pilot episode in September and introduced listeners to the concept of the rule of law and why the Law Society is producing this podcast. Craig is no stranger to talking about the independence of the bar. He was on the team that represented the Canadian Bar Association in the Supreme Court of Canada. That was in the case AG Canada versus Federation of Law Societies of Canada, where the court decided that requiring lawyers to provide client information to FinTrack would violate solicitor-client privilege. In today's episode, we are talking to Craig about what it means for lawyers to be independent, why lawyers must represent their clients' interests, particularly and even when those interests are perceived as wrong or wrong-headed or are simply incredibly unpopular. And most important, what could happen if lawyers are threatened for just following their duties and doing their jobs? Craig, the issue of lawyer independence came up in the recent Cullen Commission inquiry into money laundering in BC. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, John. And thanks for this. Um, the reason it came up is it is it comes up because it's a fundamental question, which is why why are lawyers regulated independently and not by government? And that's a question for the Cullen Commission to look at. But why it's important is because the right of lawyers to be independent is a client's right. It's not a right of lawyers. And why is that important? It's important because a client needs to know that their lawyer represents them not anybody else, and they're not beholden to anyone else, not beholden to government. And so when you look at it in the regulatory sphere, which the Cullen Commission is looking at, you you look at, well, why do you have effective regulation? You have effective regulation because lawyers can investigate lawyers and can look at what is secret information between the lawyer and the client. So that information would not be available to a government. But the law society can look at that and can more effectively regulate the lawyer because they know what went on between the lawyer and the client. But that information is kept away from the government. It's kept away from anyone else. It is kept kept secret with the law society. So what you're saying is that, you know, even though there tends to be a lot of focus in the media on the independence of lawyers making it sound like 
Uh, it is a lawyer's right and a lawyer's privilege. It's in fact all about the client. It's all about the citizens independent from the state um, using the lawyer for that purpose than the lawyer being a completely independent agent. Have I got that right? That's right, John. And so when you look at what's called solicitor client privilege, again, people sort of say, well, you know, lawyers have this right to speak with their clients uh, in a secret way. Again, that's not the lawyer's right. That's the client's right. And so when you look at what's happening in the, in the Cullen Commission and you look at the independence of lawyers, it's lawyers defending the client's right to have their information secret from the government. And it's the lawyers defending the client's right to have an independent lawyer, someone who's not beholden to anyone, but simply acting in their best interests, that that's the right the lawyers are defending. So it all comes down to a citizen's rights to have independent representation when they're under investigation or prosecuted by the state. Um, the other piece that I want to tease out a, a bit more is how self-regulation of lawyers fits into that. Because if it's a client's right, not a lawyer's right, what's the direct justification for self-regulation as opposed to state regulation? Is it simply that the state would then get in behind uh, or in between the lawyer-client relationship? Or is it more than that? Well, I think it's more than that. And so uh, self-regulation means that the standards are, again, not set by the government. The standards are set by the people who actually know how to practice law and know how to represent people. And then the investigation is done by those people um, and who know the standards, but it's based on complaints made by the client. So if the client has a problem with a lawyer, the client can come directly to the law society and the law society will, will do that investigation on behalf of the client to ensure those standards are met. But then you get to the, th the third point which you raised, which is the law society, because it's a legal body independent of government, can get at the complete lawyer's file. The lawyer can't say, well, there's, there's a secret in here that my client told me that you shouldn't be able to look at. The, the lawyer has to open up the whole file and the law society then can evaluate those facts and come to a conclusion on behalf of the client. So the self-regulation really fits hand in glove uh, with the client's rights. Yeah, so from a client's perspective, if government were directly regulating lawyers as opposed to an independent law society, government would actually need access to the full file in order to regulate lawyers effectively, which would put the client's information directly in the government's hands, which is the risk factor in a free and democratic society. So let's turn from that to uh, another issue that I think is always fascinating and always creates um, discussion and reaction. And often, interestingly enough, from government officials, and I can think of an example last year in the UK, which uh, you and I have talked about in the past. And that is what happens when lawyers represent very unpopular clients, 
clients who perhaps have not acted in the state interest. Um, should lawyers um, represent people who have committed heinous crimes? Because lawyers become very unpopular when they do, very unpopular in the media, very unpopular with the public, and very, very unpopular with government. So can you talk a little bit a little bit about lawyers' independence and that how that ties into representing anybody and everybody who might need representation, no matter who they are? Well, I'll come back to a real-life example that's sort of unfolding before us right now in a moment. But simply put, we have a charter of rights that says that everybody has basic rights. And so everybody should have those rights defended, regardless of who you are or, or what you've done. Uh, the lawyers and lawyers have the right and the obligation to do that. And, you know, to identify a lawyer with what the client has done is, is just simply wrong. Lawyers have a duty, an ethical duty to represent everyone zealously in their best interests and to make the best case they can for them. And if the state can't overcome that case, well, that's the state's problem. But the lawyer will move from that case to another case. And they may be representing somebody you think is great in that case, uh, and then to another case. A and the lawyer has no personal interest in the matter other than doing their ethical job. And so it's just simply wrong to identify the lawyer with what the client has done. And, and hopefully people understand that. And I'll give you a real life example of that, which may not be all that popular. But right now, uh, the government is instituting no-fault insurance. Uh, for motor vehicle claims. And whether you agree with that or not is really beside the point. The problem, and we've written uh, to the Attorney General on this, is the justification for no fault is that lawyers are, are, are making, uh, you know, doing too much on behalf of their clients, that, that this is a lawyer problem. Uh, and, you know, we've written to the Attorney General and said to them, look, lawyers are doing their best on behalf of clients uh, and they're representing these clients and they're getting them the best results they can. That's their job. And, and they shouldn't be criticized for that. And that shouldn't be used as a policy justification uh, for no fault. You know, no fault may be good, may be bad. Uh, I, I'm agnostic on it right now. But what I'm not agnostic on is that it's the lawyer's fault. Lawyers are doing their best within a system and you just simply shouldn't tar them for doing that. Or I suppose are their clients who are uh, getting more presumably because they are represented and that makes it unpopular because there is sort of a financial uh, cost. I mean, I don't think it's a secret that ICBC um, is not the healthiest crown corporation um, and, and that does cost taxpayers money, but is that the lawyer's problem um, and more importantly, more significantly, is that the client's problem? Put yourself in the shoes of the client, um, who we all can be. Um, let me sort of ask you a more general question. When you think about lawyers being independent of the state, um, do you have an image that comes to mind um, you know, either from a movie or from a real life event, uh, or something that you look at as kind of the archetype of the lawyer acting independently in the best interests of the client. 
Uh, well, there's a there's a relatively recent and it's almost incredible uh, situation that played out in Australia, where uh, recently it came it came forward uh, that the defense counsel um, for people again people who we, we may not want to have dinner with, uh, but that defense counsel was actually a police agent and was actually uh, recording the clients and giving the information. Uh, to the government, uh, privileged information where the person thought that they were dealing with their own lawyer. And the police were using that to prosecute people, to investigate, um, to, 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 you know, to locate uh, crimes that were happening. And it caused a scandal in, in, the, in Australia that, that, that somebody in that position and that, that the, the police in that, in that position would think that this was the correct thing to do. So, you know, that's the type of abuse that can happen if we, if we, start to allow lawyers to be coerced by government or to become beholden to government um, in, in these types of situations is that you just have a completely unfair process and people don't have the rights to defend themselves against government. And, you know, so compromises the administration of justice um, at a time kind of in our evolution as democratic societies at this particularly dangerous time where we can ill afford that kind of compromise and that kind of taint. Um, you know, you hear a lot uh, from certain quarters about the deep state. There is a perfect example of what the deep state actually looks like and how dangerous it is. And it's dangerous not to lawyers, but to the individual liberties of the citizens. And I guess that's really the point that you keep trying to make, um, and that ultimately this is about citizens' rights, not lawyers' rights. Um, let's just deal with one last topic. Um, when, when we talk about lawyers and think about lawyers, lawyers are people too, not to kind of overuse that phrase. Um, we bring our viewpoints, our perspective, our lenses, our personal biases to every case uh, that, that we deal with because we're human. Um, and we do that while we're providing legal services, even though we're trying to be as objective as possible. Um, from a law society perspective, from the perspective of uh, a, a very accomplished litigator, Craig, um, how do you address those biases? How do we address those biases as lawyers? How should clients understand uh, their lawyers and their lawyers' own personal viewpoints on things? Right. So, you know, a lawyer has an obligation to act in the best interest of the clients and, and in a court situation to be a zealous advocate for the client. And, and so if a lawyer is not doing that, a lawyer is not fulfilling their duty. And, and so at the Law Society, we have a code of ethics. Um, which, frankly, is, is almost universal across the country, almost identical. Um, and if a lawyer is not doing their job because of their personal biases or their viewpoints, well, that's something that's wrong, and, and the lawyer should be disciplined for that. If the lawyer doesn't feel that they can be an objective and dispassionate with respect to a case, uh, then they shouldn't have the case, um, and they certainly shouldn't compromise the client's interests in their representation because of your own personal biases. And so you need to be objective with yourself. Uh, and if you can't do the job, don't do it. Refer them to somebody who can. Um, but we at the Law Society make sure uh, through our investigations that lawyers are doing that and they're doing it correctly. Uh, 
Well, um, it's such a delicate topic because part of what makes certain lawyers effective is their view of the world. But when we're acting for a client, and I guess this is the bright red line that runs through the, this entire conversation today, um, the job of the lawyer is to put the client first, is the interests of the client. And that's why lawyer's privilege is really client's privilege. Uh, that's why lawyer's independence is really client's independence. So with that, let's look at the rule of law in the news, kind of what's going on in the world right now. And Craig, do you have a couple of real life examples, as I believe you do, of threats to lawyer independence around the world um, over and above the ones that you've already mentioned? Yeah, so you can sit here in Canada and think that we're all, the world's pretty good and, and that lawyers are, you know, who would ever attack lawyers? You know, it's not really something that we think about a lot in Canada uh, because of the nice society that we have. But if you get on Google and you, you insert, you know, arrest of lawyers, you'll come up with thousands of hits. Um, it's, it's pervasive. It's throughout the world. And, you know, I could, we could talk for two hours about it if you wanted to. Um, but I'll just give you a, a couple of examples. Um, Turkey, uh, for the last couple of years, has been incredible. Uh, there's been thousands of lawyers arrested and detained in Turkey for doing nothing other than their job. They just seem to be representing people that the government doesn't think uh, are good people. Um, but that's a lawyer's job. And so in, in Turkey, uh, lawyers representing uh, what's called the Kurdistan Workers Party, uh, who the government doesn't like their opposition to their policies, are routinely rounded up. And I think there's been over 2,000 of those lawyers arrested. Um, and the government has taken steps to take over bar associations so they can regulate who actually is can call themselves a lawyer, again, to, to try to uh, restrict representation of, of people that they don't like. And, and that's just fundamentally wrong. And there's lots of organizations uh, throughout the world who are trying to take steps to, to correct that wrong. Uh, another example I can give you, this one from Zimbabwe. Um, again, uh, a, a human rights lawyer in Zimbabwe, a, a lady named Beatrice Tuwana, uh, she's been persecuted for doing her job for representing people that the government uh, believes are opposed to the, to the government. And, and so they just lump the lawyer, uh, again, uh, someone doing their job representing people who have been persecuted by the government, uh, they arrest her and, and put her in jail. Um, and so that just has to be wrong. Uh, and you know, we, again, I could give you many, many more examples, um, but those are sort of examples of uh, in the news right now of people who are being, you know, jailed for being lawyers. This is the 30th anniversary of the UN um, basic principles on the role of lawyers. Uh, and there's been uh, a renewal of uh, those principles. Uh, which is kind of maybe the fitting capstone for this episode uh, of uh, Rule of Law Matters. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so one of the great things about being president of the Law Society is you get invited to, to you know, consider things. And one of the things we were asked to do was to sign on to a renewal of the UN basic principles of the role of lawyers. Uh, this was uh, originally created by the United Nations Human Rights Council in, in 1990. And so 2020, uh, apart from being a very odd year in lots of ways, yeah, 
is also the 30th anniversary of those basic principles. And so it was brought forth in Geneva this year uh, back to the human, UN Human Rights Council to renew those basic principles, which they did. And there was 50 odd bar associations and law societies from across the world who who supported it and sent it on to their own missions to the UN to make sure that those missions supported this renewal. And the Law Society of BC were, were one of, was one of the organizations that did that. And so, you know, I won't read them to you, but if you go through and read the basic principles of lawyers, it, it's, you know, it's client right after client right. It's, it starts with that everyone has the right to access representation when they're subject to criminal uh, prosecution by the state. And, and all of the things that the Rule of Law podcast I hope we'll talk about, and, and in particular, the the independence of lawyers are, are fundamental and embedded in those um, those basic principles on the rule of lawyers, uh, which so it's a it's a great thing. It hopefully can help um, people who are trying to um, defend those lawyers like we just talked about in Turkey and Zimbabwe and other places um, can help them. Uh, through a UN organization and principles, get those people to stop being prosecuted and hopefully get them released and allow them to do their jobs. I, I suppose from my perspective, when I look at world events, which you've talked about, and I look at the UN basic principles, um, what's really striking is that these issues are seen as fundamental issues worldwide directly tied to free and democratic societies, directly tied to the fair administration of justice. And, and yes, you know, as, as you raised, uh, you know, every jurisdiction, including BC, has its own fight around the independence of lawyers. But really, we've got to get some perspective that this is uh, a fundamental worldwide issue and when we look at the world, and if we look at it clearly, we can see the danger to lawyers and therefore clients and therefore the citizens right here at home. And that's what we need to be bringing home, not just the particular issue in the particular moment. Um, Craig, before I sum up, just any last words from you? And thank you very much for joining us again. Well, you, you did ask me for a sports analogy, and I, I'll just leave you with this. Uh, can you imagine the outrage if people found out that uh, Travis Green was actually working for the La Las Vegas Golden Knights um, in the middle of the playoffs? And, and that's sort of what we're talking about here, uh, that, you're, that, you're, that the coach should be working for the Canucks, shouldn't be working for the opposing team. Uh, and that's what independence of lawyers is all about. Well, you might remember earlier this hockey season, because it's been such a strange year, we're going pre-COVID, uh, the uh, backup goalie uh, that was called up during a, um, uh, for, for the Carolina Hurricanes, they had to bring in a special goalie because their other goalies had gotten injured during a game with the Toronto Maple Leafs. That goalie, who was, I think, in his 40s, actually happened to work as a Zamboni driver for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I remember my screen lighting up with people saying, okay, he's going to now throw the game and the Leafs are going to win. And 
what happened was rather miraculous. Um, this goalie uh, beat the Leafs, uh, which as a Canucks fan really did my heart good. And it was a, a wonderful moment. But what was really clear was that if he had not beaten the Leafs, the whole administration of NHL fairness was very much at risk. So thank God he beat the Leafs and rose to the occasion and was rightly celebrated for it. Um, but to take your sports analogy to the next level, he had no choice but to beat the Leafs. Because if he had not beaten the Leafs, then if he had let in shots, uh, which he was likely to do, we're talking about basically a fourth string goaltender, um, then everything the NHL stood for in terms of fairness was being undermined. And that's just kind of a small example by metaphor of what can happen in a very much more important playing field, uh, which has to do with the liberty of individuals represented by lawyers. So um, thanks for that, Craig. Um, and, and thank you for joining us today. I'm going to try and sum up in a few sentences. If lawyers were beholden to anyone other than their clients, our justice system simply wouldn't work. You would never know if your lawyer was representing your best interests, which is crucial. It's important that a lawyer's job is to pursue every legal means possible to help our clients, no matter how unpopular that cause may be. In a free and fair society, everyone deserves the opportunity to have a lawyer. It's a right that can't just apply to some people, the privileged, and not to others. So it's a right that you have, a right to a lawyer, a right that everyone must have. With that, I'd like to thank everybody for listening today. We look forward to more discussion on the rule of law in a free and democratic society. If you want to find out more about the rule of law, visit the Law Society's website at lawsociety.bc.ca. Vinnie Yoon was our very capable producer today. This is John Festinger signing off for now.